time for us to go ahead and get started tonight if we can please looks like we're missing a few folks tonight from what I can tell but several are still coming in and that's wonderful and I always uh, enjoy kind of standing here for just a moment here and all the chatter going on. That's good. But we are indeed grateful that you are here tonight. We are especially thankful to you. And we do have uh, some visitors tonight. We always do seemingly. And we're so thankful and honored that you've come our way tonight. And uh, we want you to make, we want to make you feel welcome and want to come back. Uh, we have services this coming Lord's Day at 930 and then Bible classes at five o'clock. And we'd love for you to come back and be a part of that. 
We do have some announcements that I want to update you on tonight. You do have access to a bulletin if you get one of those. If you haven't, be sure and pick one up. Uh, we want to remember Brother Ken uh, Forrest, who is now in Saipan, and he's working hard there, and he'll do a great job. We also want to pray for Dee Whirly, who is uh, going on a mission trip to Costa Rica. She'll be leaving uh, next Tuesday, so please remember her. Uh, of course, Brother Eddie Mooney went back to the hospital, back to the doctor today for a follow-up, and he'll go back again next week, but so far things look very good. I want to remind all those who are in the Freed Hardeman uh, University Associates, uh, you'll have your January meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock uh, in the annex. It says, bring items for auction. So please remember that. Also, we're going to be hosting the area-wide youth event uh, on Sunday, January the 22nd. There's lots of food that's needed, and if you can help with that, please sign up in the foyer. Uh, everyone, men and women, are invited to the bridal shower in honor of Molly Rowland, bride-elect of Caleb Moody. This will be on Sunday, uh, this Sunday, January the 15th, from 1.30 to 3 uh, in the Annex. We want to express our deepest sympathy to uh, our brother uh, Bo Gross and, of course, Ben McAnally, who uh, served as a youth minister here. Uh, the death of his uncle, Buddy McAnally of Iuka. Uh, that funeral service is going to be this coming Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock at the Iuka Church of Christ building. Visitation will also be at that building uh, tomorrow night from 6 until 8. We want to make a couple of congratulatory announcements now. We want to congratulate Rick Warner in the birth of his great-granddaughter, Maddie K. Warner. She was born on the 10th to Clay and Victoria, weighed 6 pounds, 15 ounces, and was 20 inches long and welcomed home by big uh, brother Charlie. We also want to congratulate Ken and Anita Forrest. Uh, they have their first grandson, and uh, Elijah Brooks Forrest, was born on January the 10th to Troy and Whitney uh, in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. He weighed nine pounds and one ounce, 21 and a half inches long. I think we got a tight end maybe there a little bit. He's welcomed home by big sister Avery. Now, uh, both, I know, I know Anita has pictures so that she's willing to share. I think Rick may have a couple as well. So if y'all want to see some photos of the baby, they'll be more than generous to give you that information. Uh, ladies are invited to a baby shower for uh, Annie, Catherine, Bruce, Katie, and Drew. Uh, that'll be Sunday, January the 22nd from 1.30 until 3 uh, in the Teen Activity Center. I also want to remind everybody that this coming, uh, this coming Sunday uh, afternoon at 5 o'clock, uh, we'll meet here in the auditorium. Uh, there'll be classes uh, from nursery up to the sixth grade, but seventh grade on up, please plan to meet in the auditorium as we're going to have some uh, more reports uh, regarding our budget from various people regarding some programs here that I think is very, very important. So we'll finish that up, Lord willing, uh, on Sunday night. So I hope you'll plan to be here. Of course, tomorrow, beginning at nine o'clock, is the food pantry and clothes closet. And it's a huge event here, and those people that help are just amazing. Uh, but if you've ever just wondered what that might be like and you've never seen it in action, 
Maybe you ought to come and check it out. And uh, I think you would be uh, amazed by what you see. You might even start wanting to help some. And we've got room for anybody that wants to help. Uh, the food pantry item this week is canned meat with a pop top. So uh, please uh, remember the, the food pantry, the clothes closet tomorrow and next Thursday. I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight for our devotional. Uh, Turner Foster is going to be leading our singing and Brother Todd English will dismiss us in prayer. Invitation song tonight will be number 903. Song for the uh, devotion will be 625, Zion's Call, 625. Zion's call sweetly rings over land and seeming rustling essential if we want to be faithful Christians. We know that we are to love God, we are to love one another. And being a faithful Christian means that we need to love Jesus. Jesus said that loving God with all of our heart, our soul, and our minds is more important than any other commandment in Matthew 22, 37, and 38. In fact, the Bible says it's even greater than faith itself, according to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. Now, many people today will claim they love the Lord. A lot of people will say and uh, express the fact that they love Jesus, but do they really mean it? Do we really mean it when we say we love Jesus? You know, you can tell if a man loves his wife or if a wife loves her husband by what he or she does. Love listens, love cares, love is patient, love gives, love forgives, love is kind, it's compassionate. We know that love rejoiceth in the truth. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, do we believe that? If so, we will hear and we will do 
exactly what Jesus said. You know, James said, if you believe Jesus, prove it by what you do. Demonstrate your love for the Lord by your actions, James 2 and verse 18. And so as we sing this song of encouragement tonight, I, I ask you the question, do you truly love Jesus? And are you demonstrating that love by your complete submission to his will in all things? Are you serving him? Are you putting him first in your life? Maybe tonight you're one who is outside of Christ and you want to love the Lord. You believe in the Lord with all of your heart, but tonight you may need to come and show that you have faith in him by repenting of your sins. And tonight you can be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can begin that walk of love with the Lord as you try to be faithful to him. And so tonight, if you need to respond to heaven's call, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Would you be free from the Kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings of it. Lord, we thank you that there is power in the blood. That, Lord, no matter what we may be going through, that no matter what we may have done in the past, the future looks bright as long as that future has you in it. Lord, I ask that you be with the Bible class teachers tonight and give them the words that you would have us to hear and allow us to apply those to our lives and our lives to thy service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before we say that one verse, I want to mention Bobby and Stephanie. This is the first of Wednesday night of the new year. We have 103 that are in our college class. So we're going to be thankful for that. 
Good evening. Appreciate very much the opportunity to uh, teach class tonight uh, in Brother Ken's absence. Um, we're going to continue talking about and discussing from the Word of God, of course, the distinctive nature of the New Testament church, um, the distinctive identity of the New Testament church. Uh, did you get your microphone? Uh, that's that's fine. Uh, I mean, you're welcome to, but I, I forgot to get it for you. Uh, thank you, sir. 
Before, as we get started tonight, uh, of course, we have, as always, a number of folks who need our prayers, who uh, prayers of thanks because they're recovering uh, and have gotten good reports. The prayers of petition because they are uh, continuing to struggle with illness and sickness and uh, difficulties and sadness. Um, is there anyone particular that you want, that who's on your heart at this moment? We're going to, uh, I probably won't be as extensive as Brother Kenny is. Uh, I'm not that good. And uh, I'm kicking it old school tonight. We're not going to have a uh, um, uh, PowerPoint. Uh, I've got some Bible and a yeah, legal pad. Uh, but uh, who do we need to by the way, that was a, a, uh, a compliment. Y'all have to forgive me. I'm, I'm so tired. I may not, my words may not come out. Um, I was so exhausted today. Go ahead and laugh at me if you want to. Brother Ken asked me to do this, and uh, I love the way he does the, the in-depth prayer list and the prayer. Um, and I know I never do it that well, but he asked me to do this a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, so I've written it down and I've begun to think about it. So I'm out at the bus duty today uh, and uh, doing my thing, and uh, I got to thinking, who is, I think about those out on the I said, who is teaching for Ken's and I? Uh, oh, oh yeah. So I'm glad I remembered it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but I could have been sitting there next to Jeremy thinking, well, who's supposed to be doing this? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, is that normally his job? Uh, okay. So, uh, whom do you have on your heart that you want to share? Yes, sir. Of course. Uh, I don't. If you did not have the privilege of knowing Brother McAnally, you you missed a, a genuine uh, blessing. Um, and he was a great influence. That's Bo's uncle and uh, Ben's father. Uh, how old was he? Yes, he's seventy-six. 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 Uh, who else? Who else? Yeah, you remember Cassie Stewart. Yes, sir, ma'am. Amy, my nephew, Yes. Okay. So, Andy Bailey. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Situation. Um, there was a girl that graduated from 
Father, we know that there are so many things that go on in the world, have gone on since the loss of the Garden of Eden and the landing of the ark. Because of the uh, initial sin of Adam and Eve that has left a world that is not perfect. And there's often sickness and death and tragedy so many that we don't even know about tonight, but there are a few on our hearts, those on our bulletin list who are continuing to recover, those who were mentioned out loud tonight, who are suffering, who are maybe facing the end of their life on this side. And Father, I pray you will embrace the little girl who's, whose body is broken that you will embrace her family. I pray that you will be with all of those mentioned tonight, regardless of what their physical condition is, that you would be with those who are caring for them and be with those who love them as well as being with them. You know their needs and we pray that your will would be done in their cases. And as we turn our attention to the Word of God tonight and we think about the greatest institution that there is on this side of eternity, your Son's body, the church and the kingdom, may we learn more about it from your truth and let that sink deep within our understandings, our hearts, and our souls. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. So for just a few minutes tonight, we're going to continue our thoughts on the distinctive uh, nature or identity of the New Testament church. Now, I, I want to begin tonight, before we begin to look at some scriptures, I'd like to begin with, um, to tell you, I started to say story, but it's not a story. It's a, it, it, this is a, an event that happened last Friday evening. So I don't want you to think I'm just telling a tale to because I'm not prepared to teach the lesson because that's not true. Uh, but I'll tell you what happened. Uh, and I think it, it, it will help us lay the groundwork for what we want to talk about tonight. Distinctive identity. Well, about dark Friday afternoon, uh, I was uh, doing something that God blesses me to do that I love so very much. I was deer hunting. Uh, and as it got dark, uh, three came in, and it was, uh, um, it's interesting, my scope still does what it has always done, but my eyes don't do as well as they used to. And so apparently, the, the, the bottom line is, I wounded this deer, uh, not fatally, 
Um, I think I just made it mad, but that's not the, uh, the point of the story. We trailed that deer for about two hours. Um, and so it, the moon was up and it was dark and Josh and Gunner and I were out by flashlight. And so here's why I'm telling you this. We were out there enjoying the weather uh, getting, uh, and, and trailing this deer. And then we heard something. Well, I got to experience one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in nature in my life. Josh saw it closer than I did. Uh, everybody in here knows what a great horned owl is, right? We call them hoot owls. Okay, now, okay, uh, so it's dark and we heard one hoot way back off. That was pretty nice in the background. And then we heard, in fact, it was close enough, it scared me. Uh, we heard a bard, not a barn, but a bard owl, B-A-R-R-E-D. And uh, if you've ever seen one of those, they sound very similar to a hoot owl, yet not at all. Okay, if you've heard them up close. Well, we heard that. It was relatively close. Then we heard the great horned again, the hoot owl. Then we heard this one, and it started coming flying toward me. Okay, now let me stop the story right there and add this. I did a little research after the fact, and I found out that one of, at the top of the predatory enemy chain of a barred owl is the great horned owl. They do not, they can't stand each other. They're mortal enemies. They will live in the same area of the world, but they will not stay in the same territory. The great horned owl will attack a barred owl every single time. And the reason why I know that, for two reasons. One, I, I researched it, but number one, uh, two, number one, I saw it. Um, this thing, and he, the, the barred owl screeched again loudly. And he was almost on my head when he did that. And then out of nowhere, the great horned owl had covered a lot of ground, and they hit right above Josh's head um, and fought. And then they went on their merry way. Uh, the great horned owl will explain it to the barred owl and run him off every time. Now, I'm telling you that story not because it's cool, but I thought it was awesome, uh, especially by the moonlight at 8 o'clock at night. It was really awesome. Beautiful majesty of creation. However, though, here's the thing. Now that I have done a little research, I'll know a, a, a barred owl every time I hear it and a great horn every time I hear it, always have for a long time, because, and now that I know what they look like, they're very different, they have a unique identity by the way they sound, by the way they look, by the way they smell, by, by, the, by the things that they do, what's of their nature, God made them that way. But I want you to think about those two owls. That great horned owl was 300 yards away. I mean, he was, I could barely hear him at a distance. He covered that 300 yards in less than 30 seconds because he heard and scented or, or sensed something that was in his territory that he knew exactly what it was. Okay, my point is, is that those two birds, those two owls, have, have, continue to have their own identity that is unique to them. They will always react the way that they do because the barred owl is always the barred owl and sounds the way he sounds and looks the way he looks and flies the way he flies and is the way he is because he was designed that way and his identity is unique to him to it, 
just like the other. And you're thinking, okay, what has this got to do with the church? I want us to go back and tie this in to what this has got to do with the church. Last week, Brother Ken read two scriptures at the end, toward the end of his lesson. Uh, and I, I sometimes miss the tail end, so this may not have been the very end because uh, at about two minutes to the end of your class, I have to go out and, and uh, prepare to herd cattle um, as y'all come to an end. But uh, John 17, 17 through 23, let's turn to that passage. We're going to read three kind of lengthy passages here and begin to consider what that has to do with identity. Not just identity, but distinctive identity. 17 through 23. Yes, sir, please. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thy Father art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. How far down? Uh, through 23. Okay. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Jesus makes it clear in this passage, when he prayed this prayer, Jesus makes it clear that there is a distinctive relationship between God the Son and God the Father. And then there is a distinctive relationship that those who believe, who have been taught the truth, who hear the truth and believe it, and who are now in Jesus because of their belief and their obedience, that there's a distinctive relationship between them and the Son, just like there is between the Son and the Father. So there's a distinctive relationship between us and the God of heaven. He made that absolutely clear. And the world is able to look at us. That's the part that the more I thought about some of these verses, the more, um, and as always, I thought about, okay, he asked me to do two lessons, and I don't know if I've got enough here, and I've got enough the last eight weeks, so uh, we've got more than enough to talk about. But... As I think about the world ought to be able to look at us and because of our distinctive unity, because of our distinctive love, not only for, our, for each other, but for Jesus, that's going to show in everything about us, they know immediately that we're all part of Christ, that we all belong to Christ because they're able to watch us, hear us, see us, know us, and they know that distinctively because our identity is distinctive. Now, look, from now on, I'll be perfectly honest. When I listened to those two owls on, uh, I, I thought that first time I heard a barred owl, I thought it was just a, uh, a, a hoot owl that had a cold. But I want to tell you, after listening to both of them, 
about 14 feet above my head, I, can, I will know the difference every single time because they are very distinctive, very different. Okay, we are very distinctive to the world, not just from the world. You know, sometimes we talk about we should be different from the world. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses... Uh, let's start with 9 and read through 12. 1 Peter 2. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a, not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, lust which war against the soul. I'm down. Um, one more. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may, be, may by your good works, which thou shalt behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I want to suggest to you, I want, suggest to you so that you'll think about it and you'll study about it. Yes, of course, verse 11 says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. There are things that you and I need to make a habit of a deliberate, conscious Effort in, in the thing that I think to me that, that sorry the thing that escapes me often is that sometimes we teach lessons and, and we hear lessons and we absorb lessons and we understand that yes we need to stay away from sin sin is bad sin will cause us to be lost all those things are absolutely beyond absolutely true but also at the same time I think we forget that when we look at like verse 11, we stay away from uh, things that uh, destroy our soul because those things diminish our relationship. They diminish our identity because verse 12, we're a peculiar people, a holy nation. But verse 12 basically or, or, or very distinctly says that they may see your good works or by your good works, which they observe, glorify God. We're not just separate from the world. We don't just stay, you know, we're not, to, uh, um, our unique identity is not just from the world. It should be to the world. Now, what do you mean by that? I mean that the world should, uh, we are unique to their observation. That sometimes I think, and maybe, maybe it's just me. Jonathan, maybe I'm, you know, sometimes I, I have these great ideas and I think everybody thinks like I do and everybody else says, what are you talking about? But our unique identity is not just because we don't sin. It is because we don't sin. And Dale says, wait a minute, did you not just say the same thing? We don't sin... Because sin is bad, we stay away from sin, we are non-sinners. That's not who I am. That's a result of who I am. That is a consequence who I am. That is a byproduct, if you will, uh, or a, a, an outpouring of who I am. If I am one with Christ, and because of that I am one with God, that completely fills me up. 
if I am truly a part of his holy nation and I am a unique people or a people, a peculiar people, a people for his own use and service, then it is because of that. I abstain from fleshly lust because they war against my soul. And I don't want them to war against my soul, not because they are terrible, which is true. Not just because, maybe I should say it that way. Not just because they will cause my soul to be lost, but because they, those fleshly lusts, will separate me from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. They'll separate me from God, yes. That's right. And why do we do that? And if we fall into it, it will stain our souls. If it stains our souls, are we able to have that relationship with God? No. just not sin but to be one with God and when we are one with God yeah we're still going to make mistakes well, what do we do with those so yes we're sinners but trying not to sin absolutely and that's in that okay I think exactly uh, is that it is this I am not trying, I am not simply trying not to sin. I am doing my dead level best to maintain my unity with Christ as I walk in the light. And it is through that that I am trying not to sin. Does that, is that making sense at all? Because yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because, Ever. You know, Sorry. I, I'm a saved sinner. <laughs> I'm a 
And that's what we're, well, that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. Uh, yes, ma'am. If, if we are going to be one in Christ, the world is full of good moral people that aren't Christians. If we are going to be of the world, we're going to have to be the same. And by that, we're going to have to not be ashamed or not be shy or not be mum about saying that we are part of the church of Christ. That we're going to have to show people and they're going to have to see by our actions that we, when we forgive and the way we do things. Because with moral people, you see it every day. I mean, they've got accolades and, and all kinds of things, but they're not members of the church. So we've got to be able to be distinct so that they recognize that we are part of the church instead of the world. Absolutely. Look at first, before we leave this passage that we read just a moment ago, that verse 12. Uh, it's a, do, notice what it says. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. But wait a minute. Where, what are these good works? Well, they are coming, of course, from abstaining from the fleshly lust. I'm making a diligent effort to stay away from sin. But also, uh, also, verse 10, I'm not a people, or we were not a people, but now are the people of God who have uh, not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. All right, hold your finger right there. Hold your finger right there. We're going to come back to this verse. You with me? And go to Ephesians chapter 2. Okay, did we not read uh, in just a moment ago that as Christians we are a chosen generation, a royal uh, priesthood, a peculiar or special people for the purpose of proclaiming the praises who called us out of darkness into His light? That's Colossians 1.13. Absolutely not a people, but now are a people. So would you say then, okay, yes or no, did God prepare the children of Israel as his people to and bring them out of Egypt for the purpose of uh, putting Christ in place, to bring Christ into the world. Is that a fair statement? Yes, okay. Now, they are no longer the people of God because God has now prepared, has God prepared a new people? Yes, and those people are Christians. Okay, now, see how that equates to this in Ephesians 2. Not just eight and nine, but ten also. Please. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past 
Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Okay. Now, wait a minute. What did he just say that we are saved by grace through faith, not the gift of God or, or not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not of work. But then he said, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand. So does this, is this not also synonymous to the people, a peculiar people that God has prepared? He prepared beforehand a place, a group of people. Those people had to be saved by grace through faith. And we know that faith is obedience or requires obedience. But did he say that we are his workmanship created to good works? So when I go back to 1 Peter, the world will observe your what? The world will observe your conduct, your good works. And then they're going to glorify God. They have the opportunity to find God, to obey God, to glorify God because they've watched you. How will they know who you are? See, notice here that that passage said that the world is going to be able to initially have a connection to God by watching you, by watching you. Yes, they need that watching needs to turn into hearing because... You're going to talk when you get a chance. You're going to show when you get a chance. You're going to reveal the truth as you get closer to them. But initially, they're going to see you and know there's something about you that is absolutely different. Not different just because you don't do these things, but different because you do what you do and react and act and, and just are the way you are. One of the coolest things, and I'll remember it, uh, I'm starting to forget things that I ought not forget. Um, I walked around my classroom the other day with these right here, right there. And then I couldn't find them, and I put another pair on. And I spent half of that class reading with a pair and this pair on top of my head, and them just sitting there going, and I said, you know, then I said, why didn't you tell me those were on top of my head? <laughs> we wanted to see how long it'd take you to notice. Uh, um, so I forget, but I, for some reason, I'll never forget this. My mother tells a story about when she worked at Bluebell. Anybody ever heard of Bluebell back in, back in the day? Uh, she worked at Bluebell and always sat by herself at lunch. My mother's a very quiet, unassuming person except when I make her angry, but that's another story. A quiet and unassuming person, and somebody, she just uh, didn't tell me this for years, somebody sat down next to her, asked her one day next lunch. She said she would get up when they started uh, telling some of the things that they told there, and she wouldn't, uh, never laughed, and just, just minded her own business. And somebody stopped her, uh, Luther, and said, can I ask you something? Well, sure. Are you a member of the Church of Christ? I said, uh, well, yeah. Why? This is so cool, y'all. She said, yeah, why would you ask me? Why'd you ask me that? I knew you had to be because the way you acted in the break room, just the way you carried yourself and the way you always kind of 
cringed when others, you know, you never said, I could tell you just were different. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be. And, and it's not something we do, it's something that we are, and it just kind of is. I don't know how to explain that. That's the, a distinctive. Uh, now, in, and I was going to read 1 Corinthians 12, but we won't go there. Uh, he talks about, um, you're all members, that's where he talks about the eyes and the nose and the mouth and the uh, the ears, and you're all members of the body and me- members, a part of the body, but members in particular. And what's always interesting, God placed us in the body as He chose, as He saw fit, as He pleased Him, which is interesting. If it pleased Him to do that, do you think that was just? you think God did that just for the church in Corinth so Paul would have something really cool to write? No, that must be true about every. Christian in every body or the body in every place. So that means it pleases him for me to be who I am and where I am as long as I am trying to have that unique identity. As an individual, I've got a unique identity. And that unique identity, just as surely as each one of those feathers, down to the claws, to the beak, to the eyes, which by the way, the Horned owl and the um, and the barred owl have different colored eyes as well. Uh, right from the eyes to the feathers, right down to the hoots out of their mouths, are distinctly. But each of that makes them up. Each of us make up the church, make up the body, make it have its distinctive. If we are, now turn with me to Ephesians four. If we are allowing God to use us in the place He wants to. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's back up to 11. That's right. We, can go all, we start at 16, but let's back up to 11. And I, uh, Do you mind if I read this one? Because I want to uh, stop every time. Um, and Ken can stop you and keep talking, but if I do that, I'll get lost. Uh, I know I will. Uh, Let's start with verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping. Okay, remember it said he placed as as it pleased him. The purpose for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice those three things. Oh, no. I used to think that that was, the English teacher in me thought that that was three separate phrases or independent phrases that were items in a series. I don't, I don't know. It's not. It's not. They build on each other for the equipping of the saints so that they can do the ministry, the work of the ministry. And when the saints, who are the saints? The peculiar people those who are walking in the light, those who are saved by grace through faith, when those folks, when those folks are, lost my place, uh, equipped, when God equips them as He sees fit, and they work in the ministry, they do, I do, you do, what we're supposed to be doing, what does that do? Edify the body as a whole. The word edify means what? 
build up. If something's built up, it is blank, not weak. Strong, strengthens it, makes it stronger. Hmm. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, the perfect is for us, or the purpose is to, oh, the wait, unity? John 17, that prayer that Jesus prayed, here's our part in it, working toward that. Again, like uh, you said, we'll never be perfect. We're always striving toward that. We're never not striving toward that. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. That word perfect means mature, complete, whole. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, if your stature, your stature has to do with your structure, has to do with your, you know, if your stature is what it ought to be, you are a strong person, upright person, able to do the work person, because your stature is what it's supposed to be, right? Um, and by the way, here's a side note. As a teacher, I can't help but tell you this, and you'll, I'll see if you grin at this. Um, you know, kids love it. To, they, they love to say today, oh, I'm straight, Mr. Hodgin. Yeah, that means I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You know, uh, one said that to me today, oh, I'm straight. I said, well, I used to be, but the older I get. <laughs> and they're like, oh, please, stop that. Uh, terrible joke. Uh, the idea, the stature... The purpose is for the Lord's church, the body of Christ, to be upright and strong and able to do the work. Why? All the parts are in place. That's back to first, or Ephesians. All the, well, we'll get to that. All the parts are in place because the saints are doing what? Well, the saints are working in the ministry, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that builds up the church for the purpose of uniting us together in faith and filling us with the knowledge of God so that we are not only mature, that we are growing toward being the strong body that Christ intends for us to be. God intends. So God intends for the body of Christ to grow strong, right, in Christ. God intends for the body to get stronger as long as we live on this side of eternity. Yes or no? He, he intends for us to do that. Now let's keep reading. 14, that we may no longer, here's another purpose. Why? So that we won't be tossed like children to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine. Why? Because we're strong. Because uh, we're, not, we're able to um, hold our ground because we have some strength. Hmm. By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of the deceitful uh, plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Is that strong? How many of you, uh, now, is there anybody in this room who does not know what a seagrass rope is? I know what a seagrass rope is. Um, have you ever tried? It's what they used to string hay bales with many years ago. I may still do. I don't know. Uh, but... Do you know what a, sea, a, a seagrass rope is made up of how many strands? How many? <laughs> what? Depends on what size it is. Uh, 10, 12, who knows, right? More than that. Now, how hard is it for you to physically break a seagrass rope? What? Yeah, I, you can't. Ooh. 
Now, there's another whole sermon. Uh, you're right. You can't unless, y'all do realize that, right? You can't unless it's rotten. If you don't know what we're talking about, go home and Google a seagrass rope. Now, if you were to spend the time to unravel that thing, it'd take you a little while, unravel all of it into its individual strands, you could take two fingers and break that strand. But when they are all woven together into one unit, into one cord, it's not happening. Y'all get that, right? Well, look what he said. He said that the whole body in the body of the church joined and knit together. They are woven together by what every joint supplies. Now, y'all listen to this. How are they woven and joined together? You say, well, God does it. He does. But how does he do it? What's his plan? Remember, he placed them as he, as it pleased him. But he said, some are noses, some are eyes, some are ears. They all have got different jobs. But they're knit together. Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. What did we say edifying was? The strengthening of itself, the building up of itself. How does it build itself up? By, doing, by each member doing what it's supposed to be doing, you and I. And what happens when that happens? We are, God is weaving us together, strengthening us. Just as surely as this uh, wrist supports this hand and this hand supports these fingers and these joints make these fingers do what they do. Uh, and all as we think about that and uh, the, the bands, the nerves underneath and the muscles, strands of muscles underneath. By the way, uh, here's a public service announcement. If you, are squeam- if you don't want to know what the doctor's about to do, don't ask him. When I had my carpal tunnel surgery, uh, they cut me right there. And I said, uh, hey, how exactly are you going to do this? He said, well, what we're going to do is cut right here. And we're going to go in and we're going to pull that skin, prop that skin up. And I'm going to go in down through there. And the guy said, never mind. I'm good. Just call me when it's over.